Let's Talk Sport with Scott Brown and Nathan Snaid. It was as if he kicked about three pounds of haggis that time because it hardly got off the ground. Three pounds of haggis. 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 Three pounds of haggis because it hardly got off the ground. Moyen, Scott Brown here from Let's Talk Sport. I'm joined this evening by... Hold on a second, my mic's playing. One second, lads. Um, there we go. I'm joined this evening by um, Baptiste Lachaise. Hi, Scott. Okay. Jasper. Yes, hi. Tom, great to have hi. you all in. Uh, we're going to dive into the world of uh, judo today. But before we do that, obviously... Nathan's not here, so we're very privileged to be joined by uh, no one other than uh, Baptiste Lachaise. We're in Studio 4 in Kirchberg, uh, the home of um, Let's Talk Sport. Um, yeah, where to start? Show number 85 for us. The weather is wet, but it is a lot nicer. It's not that cold out there anymore, is it? No, it's okay. No? It's fine. It's fine. What about you, Baptiste? Luxembourgish, Luxembourgish weather, huh? Standard, huh? We'll probably get snow next week. Um, as always, we're going to focus on international uh, sport. We've obviously got Jasper and Tom. They're going to open our eyes to the... What do you want to say? We normally say, like, dive into the... Throw ourselves into the world of judo. Would that be a... I think throw ourselves in would be nice. We throw each other normally, but... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As always, you can get in comms with us, 6215 if you've got any questions for them. Um, and we'll have Anthony Perez joining us from Let's First News uh, for the local BGL roundup. Um, I'm going to give you 30 seconds, Baptiste. Tell us, tell the viewers, who are you? Apart from a person who impersonates me all the time at rugby training, but go. French guy, born and raised here in Luxembourg. As we are speak, going to speak about judo, I, I, I used to, uh, to to play a bit of uh, of uh, karate. It's not judo, you but... You didn't say play a bit of karate. I used to wear like a kimono, yeah, yeah. but it didn't really work with me. Too much discipline. Then we have to, to rugby, still playing now here in Luxembourg, and yeah, that's it. Oh, very good. Well, you obviously got lots to say, so I'm sure once you get warmed up, you'll be fine. Jasper, you're obviously from the Netherlands, am I right in saying that? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, and how long have you been out in Luxembourg for? A uh, little over two years. Um, I, I used to coach in the Netherlands, um, also for the for the Dutch Federation. Um, and um, over two years ago, there was an opening to come for as a national coach here in Luxembourg. Um, and I had a talk with Tom about this, and uh, now now I'm here. Happy days. So it'd be fair to say you you've obviously been involved with judo the, the vast majority of your of your sport in life. We had an interesting uh, conversation just before we came on, obviously about not specialising in sports too early, but. Judo is something that you sort of need to hit early because you can almost miss the boat in terms of learning all the skills from a young age. 
Yeah, we just uh, we were talking about it, but um, I think some sports they 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 lend themselves perfectly for also for late specialization. So that means you can do all kinds of sports, and even at a later age, if you if you follow up in a sport, you can still reach the top. And maybe an example could be like rowing or something. That's not, not a sport where there's a, a big youth competition or something. Yeah. But um, I think in judo you have to specialize a little bit earlier. Um, doing a lot of sports as, as, is okay as, as, as you're young, um, but I think between 12 and 15 years, you, you need to start making some training hours. This yeah, is, uh, it, it, we often talk about that, that that age you just mentioned, that's sort of the business age where if you're going to keep kids involved in sport, that is the age it's going to be. So that's important, but it's also really important that they enjoy it before then so they can sort of stay involved with it. Tom, what about yourself? It's good to have a... how Like when we say genuine Luxembourger, how how genuine? Parents, grandparents are all Luxembourgish? Uh, actually, my grandparents were French, Italian, German and Luxembourgish. Wow. But both of my parents are Luxembourgish, so... But I consider myself as European. <laughs> don't we all? Don't we all? But what about yourself? How did you? How? what What's your role in judo at the moment? Um, I'm still fighting. Yeah. Uh, I started judo 21 years ago, and still fighting. I'm my next bigger competition will be. I hope so. The games of the small state of Europe. But I'm, I'm also involved in a club as club president and also at the federation as vice president of administration very good i mean we're gonna that's part of the interview what we're gonna get into is we'll talk about how the you know how you get ranking points and then ultimately because let's be honest let's say is is the goal is to get to the olympics isn't it you know and obviously how do we go about listening uh go about achieving that we're also going to look into the you know, for the for the uh, for the more casual viewers, who we say, Jasper, um, I sort of said to you on the way up that when we um, when we flick it on the TV, why don't we keep watching it? And a lot of the time, it's because we don't understand what's going on. So if we can sort of educate people about that, then hopefully we'll get more people involved. And at the end of the day, the more people involved in sport is a is a good thing, isn't it? Um, as always, Nathan and I like to start off with a few fun facts about on this day in uh, whatever year it might have been. Obviously, yef- yesterday was um, April Fool's. Did we see any good ones for April <laughs> Fool's Day? No, um, Baptiste was mentioning before uh, Teddy Rinner. He's um, really a, one of the greatest judo players of all time. He's still competing. Um, he's a French guy in the heavyweight category. Um, and, and he's been dominating the heavyweight category for, for many years now. But um, yesterday the, on the internet it was um, published that he will uh, go down a category to the under 100 category uh, kilogram. Um, but I, I, everyone was already responding this probably an April Fool's uh, joke. But uh, one year for the games uh, to switch categories is not so uh, not so common. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, obviously, um, myself and Baptista from more of a, a rugby background, shall we say? So I don't know how. Do you know a lot about rugby or no? Not really. No, I, I, I follow rugby a little yeah. bit, not not so much. So you, obviously, um, you obviously have the main, you have the, the, the larger countries, you know, the likes of France, England, well, not England so much anymore, but Ireland, New Zealand, you know, South Africa, the dominant teams. But there is a, they put together a, a team every four years called the, the British Lions, who go off and tour the traditionally the big, stronger Southern Hemisphere uh, teams. And it's to be selected because you're, you can only play for Ireland, England, Scotland or Wales. So they pick the best players, they go and they try and beat it. Previously, as the game went professional, it's become harder and harder to go and win. But now they're catching up. So it, it, it's always very good. And uh, there's a lot, it, it gets a lot of profile. But um, they actually posted something that they were going to change the concept to incorporate France 
um, and they were going to call it Le Lyon. Um, mm. And I think some people wake up in the morning and sort of don't remember that it's April Fool's Day. So always good to go and read all the comments about uh, about something like that. But um, on another point, um, in 1985, the NCAA, that's when they actually brought in the shot clock to basketball originally. And it was 45 seconds. And obviously it's now gone down a lot because they obviously want to speed up the game so people stop time wasting another good one are you into your, are you into your football at all or soccer should I say yeah not, not no we're not a great specialist in football that's not, that's not a, that, that's okay. that makes me happy actually no but there was um, there was an incident in so it's quite a while ago in 2005 uh, Newcastle United who are you know traditionally a very one of the big teams in the Premier League. Certainly at this point they were anyway. And uh, two of their players got sent off because they actually had a fight in the middle of the game. Um, but basically one of the guys wouldn't pass to him um, during the game. And he was like, why aren't you passing to me? Why aren't you passing? And he just turned around and went, mate, I'm not passing to you because you are sugar honey iced tea. And the guy didn't obviously react well to this and the two of them went at it. Um, and I was doing a little bit of digging um, about the aftermath because obviously it's something that comes around every couple of years it gets brought back up but basically the two of them got sent off and then one of them <laughs> sat in the tunnel and was like right come on then let's 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 have it let's let's go um and then obviously they got pulled apart and then they get back into the changing room and there's a bloke coming out of the shower and he's like oh is the match finished? And he's like, no, no, we got sent off. And the bloke's like, happy days, because they'd had another player sent off earlier on in the day. But So this guy who'd got sent off earlier on in the match didn't have to worry about anything because these guys had basically uh, taken all the flat. They went on to lose 3-0, and by all accounts, it was all parked. But not something you see um, you see every, uh, every day, you know, is two teammates fighting each other. Actually, this is the last question I was going to ask you. Have you ever had to use your judo skills outside of the gym i didn't need to so i i think in generally in, in martial arts it's it's about being as competent as you can be but then learn to control it yeah so i, I think this is one of the the values of judo that did you you figure out that you don't even need to yeah so it's powerful enough yeah i know absolutely what about yourself tom no me neither i never had to use it so never i was never really in a in a fight either so Never had to use it. Good to hear, gents. Good to hear. Uh, just bouncing back to uh, to April Fool's Day. So there's a few theories about where April Fool's comes from. One of them is that it dates back to 1582 in France, obviously, Okay, where they actually switched from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar. And uh, people basically got yeah messed up about when celebrations were finishing. And then from that is obviously... It's like it, that's the beauty about things in history you, you don't know for sure because there's no videos or anything back then so we just it's like Chinese whispers isn't it it just changes from then to then but April Fool's we, we had a good one do you remember the one we did uh, Baptiste was lucky enough to get capped this time last year for the national team and uh, we did it on the bus where basically we spoke to the coach and he announced we have a WhatsApp group that there was going to be um, a random drug test from the uh, from Rugby Europe and uh, Let's just say there are a few white faces, uh, mm-hmm. white faces on the bus, but uh, always always goes down well. I mean, if you're not on the if you're not on the receiving end of it. But gents, let's um, let's get right into this. Obviously, we want to we want to know about judo um, and hopefully educate a few of the people listening in. So, um, Tom, how did you get into judo originally? Uh, it was thanks to my twin brother. Um, he started judo when he was five. Uh, at 
97, I think, he became for the first time national champion of, uh, in the youth category. What, under seven? Yeah, I think it's under nine, but yeah, he was yeah, seven or, yeah. or eight years old. And then my father uh, immediately bought some judo mats. Uh, and so I had to fight him at home as training partner. And at a certain point, I didn't want to fall anymore. So I said, okay, I will go to the training And that's how I started. Actually. And is your is your brother still doing it now as well? Yeah, but less. Oh, okay. So he's coming to training like every few months. Uh, this was really self-defense, uh, Tom, then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If you grow up with brothers, you know exactly what it's about. I have three of them and there is, you know, best form of defense is attack, you know. <laughs> but what about yourself? Um, did you, did, what, what age did you get involved in judo then? Um, it was also my brother that already did it. Um, we lived actually across the street from a, um, a sports hall where they, they also had judo lessons. Um, and I don't know how my brother got into it, but um, he was five years older than me. So he was already quite a big guy. And uh, yeah, I also um, had to follow um, the, um, my mom to the training because she didn't leave me alone at home. So I was five or six years old when I every week I had to just sit on the side. And then the teacher said, hey, I, I can give you a judo gi as well and um, come on the mat. And yeah, I just, this is where I sta uh, started and uh, never stopped again. I mean, there's a, there's a famous saying that uh, don't worry that your children never listen to you. Worry that they are always watching you. And I think that's the key bit there is if you take the little ones to your sport or whatever, they are watching exactly what's going on. Yes, they're not listening to a word you're saying, but they are watching everything. So you talk about, you know, exposing them to sports, but if you can take them along to these to see, you know, people in action, they they might not understand it, but, you know, they are definitely going over it again um, in their head. So. I mean, we're sort of going to jump around a little bit, but if I'm, if let, let's say in a, you know, in, in 18 months time, I'm flicking on the Olympics um, and I don't have a clue what's going on um, in a judo match. Where, where would you start? Where would you, you know, where would you start? Obviously you have two competitors and you have the referee. So yeah, take it from there, Tom. Where do we, where do we go? Um, let's say that the goal of judo is to throw your uh, opponent on the, on his back. So if you do so, you you win but we also have uh it's more than it's more like a grappling martial art or or sport so it's not about hitting or punching or whatever that's other sports yeah and the other way to win a, a fight is in in ground fight so we also can go into ground fight where you can either hold your partner on his back for 20 seconds choke him or uh do an arm lock so that he Uh, taps twice so how long is it do we do rounds yeah it's a competition system so uh, you have a lot of players um, and uh, as you progress to the to the to the system you come closer to the to the finals yeah but I mean do you when you so if I get drawn against Tom mm -hmm. are we just going to go at it for five minutes or no, it's, it's, at the moment it's four minutes fighting time and um, if the, the at the end of the four minutes if the 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 scoreboard is still equal then they will go into golden score yeah and that's unlimited time okay so you, you obviously if, if I if you throw me onto my back you win straight away yeah so literally if it, if you get it wrong it could be over in seconds uh, a yeah, judo match yeah there have been fights that lasted for three or four seconds yeah, yeah. when you when you said it on the back it's uh, it's called the hippon no hippon hippon yeah, yeah. Yeah, look at you. I forgot you were there, that piece, for a second. Huh? But um, so, obviously, you win, but you talk about you can get points for 
different sort of manoeuvres or, or what other what the other you talked about wrestling or an armbar or something like that how does yeah, in the end it's it, the, the Ippon score this is the highest score you can get so yeah. that, that means if you throw someone on the back you'll get an Ippon directly yeah. um, and in the groundwork you can have three ways to, to score an Ippon and so one is um, with with a hold so if you hold someone on the back you really um, control him for, for 20 seconds you also get an Ippon um, if you submit someone with a strangle or an armbar um, then you also get an Ippon. So it's all the same yeah. uh, win, and it's in the maximum points for, um, to win. Because obviously we've we've done a fair few pre-seasons and they love to involve a bit of wrestling. And I can tell you now, doing it for 10 or 15 seconds is horrendous. But like, you know, potentially having a match that goes on for four minutes, that's that's pretty exhausting. Are you allowed timeouts or breaks or...? You can imagine if you uh, try to just um, lift the weight from your own body weight for four minutes and try to pull and, and lift and throw it all over the mat and at the same time, this body weight isn't helping you at all. Doesn't want to go away. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's it's actually, it's really a physical sport. It's really, uh, really, really tough uh, and to fight for four minutes. So have you, you know, is there, what what's the most you would, you know, realistically... I don't want to say, I don't want to say wrestle, but I guess what's the longest you would expect to compete in a day? Could you have three, four matches or could you have seven, eight, nine, ten in a day or how does it? There have been tournaments where you have um, um, a couple of years ago when the, the number in the world championships were still uh, not so limited as now. There was a category up to 73 kilogram with over 100 competitors. Um, to win the tournament, you would in, have in to one go, day. In one day. That, that means you have to win, I think, seven or eight fights. Um, to 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 make it to the gold medal. That's uh, what's the most you've had in one day? Oh, that's hard to say, but I think also like six or seven fights. <sighs> it's a good good bit of conditioning there, isn't it? But at the other point, it's a good thing to have more fights because um, from time to time you travel to Japan or yeah. somewhere, and if you have a match like for three seconds and then you fly home. It's also a shame. So yeah, yeah. Having We've, more fights is a good thing, actually. I'll introduce you. Have you ever watched a sport called cricket? Yeah, cricket can be pretty dark. If you if you're a batsman and you get out first ball, it's a, you know, it's like you don't you don't really have an impact on it. So I, I hear where you're coming from. Just uh, going back to the origins, jujitsu. Uh, sorry, not jujitsu. Um, judo is Japanese, and I was reading about it that there's like elements of jujitsu involved in it. But does the are the rules like very regimented, or do you see, do they keep evolving? You know, are there new strategies or new techniques that people try to bring into the sport? Or um, after every Olympic cycle, the rules are are uh, being uh, reevaluated again, yeah. um, and there will be some adjustments. Um, a couple of years ago, they really made um, big strides forward to to differentiate uh, judo again from wrestling. There was a point where um, both sports were in the uh, Olympic roster and then there was a discussion in the uh, IOC that, um, to, to drop one of, the, uh, one of the, the sports in the Olympic program. Um, and then the assignment was re- or make it really um, bring it back to the, the, the old judo, like the traditional judo more, um, or um, maybe we have to make a decision. Um, so the International Federation, they really um, put in some rules in place to to take away a couple of wrestling techniques to make uh, to really you know differentiate between the bring two. Bring back the, the the classical Japanese uh, judo a little bit more. Yeah, um, and so judo is at the moment quite safe, but every Olympic cycle there will be 
some rule changes and i think the the next phase they had is um making it more understandable now you said already if you're not from judo and you see judo in the, on television why would you um, hang on and and, and keep fighting uh, keep watching um at the moment they're really trying to make the scores uh, more simple to understand yeah and there used to be a lot of different scores and a lot of different penalties with different values and they make it now quite simple so you have the ippon if you throw someone on the back if you don't throw them on the back exactly but it's more on the side or it isn't fluent or fast enough they can give a half score which is called the wasari um and and basically that's it so if you score uh, ippon you win if you score twice a wasari you win as well yeah and if you come onto the front, uh, on, in the groundwork and uh, you submit someone or you hold someone you win basically that's more easy to understand for for people outside of judo i suppose that's what that's what you've just you know summarized there is essentially what you want to get out to the you know the the, the ignorant among us who don't know the rules and stuff and then once they understand that, then you can go into a little bit more detail. But yeah, it's one of those things where you don't want to scare them off, um, scare them off too much. Just to jump on, uh, Tom, I want you to answer this question. You're talking about how you know you have to differentiate differentiate between the rules between obviously wrestling and judo because essentially, if they become too similar, then one of them is going to get chopped. And we've seen quite a lot how you know, that, that uh, I guess that Olympic card is changing, you know, karate obviously got the heave-ho more recently, um, you know, breakdancing, it's a horrible example I use, but has obviously come in, is, is that something that concerns you with judo? Do you think it could get cut from the Olympic roster or is it a case of you're not really aware, they'll just make a decision or do you, do you hear about that sort of thing? Actually, I'm not totally aware of the, the situation. I don't think that judo will be dropped from the Olympics but I'm not trying to uh, stir rumours here I'm just curious yeah, about it no no, I think um, judo is one of the most mondial sports um, in the Olympic program. So that, um, I, I was checking a little bit in Tokyo, for instance, um, there were 128 nations in the Olympic tournament. Wow, so that's so probably that's, that's really a, a big number of, of, of countries, and, and there are also a lot of sports with far less um, um, countries participating. So yeah. I think uh, this is the strength of judo. It's you can do it everywhere in the world. So you, sometimes I see online even videos from from poor or African areas where they just put some straw on, on the on the bottom and, and still they wrestle and so it's it's something you you can do all over the world and I think uh, that's the strength of judo a little bit so I'm not so scared at the moment that they will uh, cut judo off well you know fingers crossed they don't I mean when you're talking about the accessibility it's almost as easy you know obviously football unfortunately no sport will ever compete with football it's the nature of it but judo seems something as you say you don't need a gym you don't need the special mat you don't what do you call the um is it a gi that they wear yeah you don't need that you still could could you still technically you know i guess fight without without the the specialist facilities yeah yeah if you use a bathrobe or something you can already practice a little bit um so how many you know, there's all these different... Obviously, the weight class is um, that's a big part of it because what do you weigh at the moment, Tom? Uh, now I'm like 72, 73. Kilo. 72, yeah. And then you're talking about your... Who was he, Baptiste? Yeah, yeah there we go. He's, uh, so if you say he's... Is he plus 100, over 100 kilos? Is he's he? one, 140. 139, I would say. I checked before. 
So the April Fool's joke that means that he would drop forty, 40 kilograms. kilos. Oh, that's, uh, well, that that's going to be what I'm going to lead on to my next question. Is it you know you see about boxers, you know, obviously they're putting on weight and trying to manage their weight for certain fights. Is that a big part of your your job? Is getting them to cut weight, or is it you try and sort of stay at the weight you're fighting at? Yeah, there are um, seven weight categories uh, for women and seven for the men. Um, so obviously, if you are sm- a smaller build or lighter build, yeah, then you, you're in a light category. Um, but if you really compete at the highest level, you see that everyone tries to get the most out of their body. Um, and some of them, they, they weigh more than their weight category um, and, and, and use this mass in training to, to get the benefits from this. And then they drop down um, for the weigh-in. Um, the weigh-in is uh, in judo always the day before the fights. So there is some time, even if you drop some some weight on, on on water or something, that you you have some time to to get the strength back after and and still compete. Yeah. Well, is it, is it black and white when you're trying to make weight? You either make weight or you don't. And if you don't make weight the day before, you're out. You don't compete. If you don't make your weight, you're out. Yeah. But not making your weight is not an option. It's unacceptable, isn't it? <laughs> that's uh, in in principle, it's unacceptable. It's f- it happens the, sometimes, of course, but yeah. that's, I mean, the re- the reason I bring that up is obviously, you know, I think it's fair to say sports like UFC and the boxing and stuff get a lot more press um, in in terms of the money that's involved with it. But I was reading an interesting one that the guys in the UFC, when they don't make weight, it's not actually that big a deal. It just means they lose. Um, a small per- portion of what their purse is going to be. And there's a guy called Israel Azadenya, and he was talking about how because there's so much money involved, you should be like, no, we'll take 90%, 95% of your purse off you if you're if you're not going to make weight. So I guess, obviously, that leads on to the next part, which I want to ask you about. Is it all amateur in judo? Um Yeah, it's... it's um, yeah, what is an amateur? I think there are people that can live from judo. So they they would be professional athletes, of yeah. course. But um, it's not the same kind of money you see, like in soccer or in in, in tennis. Or so the, 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 the I think in, in judo, a lot of people they do it for the love of the game and yeah. not so much for uh, for the big uh, the big money. There are some countries uh, known that to pay more money if you win an Olympic medal or something or a world championship medal, then they'll take care of you. Yeah, yeah. But in, in Western Europe, it's it's more love of the game. I think it's not a not about big money. And so what about you, Tom? Are you, are you working as well? Are you studying at the moment for how, how does it work with your training and stuff like that? Um, I'm working at the sports ministry uh, in coach education yeah. so at the INAPS. But... Uh, Who did we have on? Oh, I can't remember her name. Sandra. Yeah, that's it. That's awful. I hope she's not listening. I'm going to get a naughty message from her. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, go on. Yeah, she's, she's my working colleague in... We are sharing. Oh, she was an amazing guest. She was like the best guest we ever had, you know. So okay. make sure you tell her that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell her for sure. No, um, I'm working at the sports ministry and I, I'm training in the evening, so after work. Yeah. So that's quite well functioning. And uh, when I was 20 years old, I had the idea at the beginning to join the sp- the sports section of the army. Ah uh, yes. We've had we've had quite a few quite a few of our former guests have have gone down that route especially the swimmers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And obviously that allows to I guess balance it. But yeah, it's one of those things when you especially with Olympic sports, I mean, like uh, you know, I wish you all the best and I'd love to see it. we'd love to see as many burgers there at the Olympics and stuff, but the reality is is you just yeah, you just don't get near the money, you know, when it comes to you know, football or boxing and 
and stuff like that. It's the it's the nature of the beast. But it goes back to that, you know, that love of competing. It's sounds a bit cliche, but the Olympic Charter, you know, it's the taking part that counts. Well, obviously, we want to win, you know. Yeah, but if you look at the UFC, you were mentioning this uh, before. But if you look at the game, uh, a fight like uh, like Conor McGregor with uh, Khabib or something, that that's 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 two fighters that are preparing this for months, and the whole media circus around this. this whole, this is just uh, in the end it's just one fight and like we said in the tournament in judo you have seven or eight fights so you can't really pick your opponent it's a random draw and it's harder to to market um, a fight like this so I think this uh, the commercial side of, of UFC is for instance is just different than in judo I mean that's 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 it's actually ridiculous to think that you can turn up you might have an idea of who you're gonna face in the uh, in the first round, I guess you know you can maybe do your research, your video. They may have certain tendencies and stuff, and then you think, well, we could be one of these two. This guy should win. Sure enough, the other guy will win, and you know nothing about them. So you almost just have to, you know, focus on yourself. Um, and I guess what your what your strengths are for mm. for that sort of thing. But do you do do you get to do a lot of video work, or is it just worry about yourself? Uh, the the top players they they um, I think we we talked about this with with, a, with another coach um, a couple of weeks ago actually um, we said I think the the category is normally filled with sheep and you have a couple of wolves um, and and these wolves they they know each other they analyze each other and the rest they should they should just win based on their status and level and um, but um, it, there is always um, uh, a seeding in the competition so that means the top eight players are a little bit um, taken apart from each other. Um, but if you're, uh, for instance, a form, former world champion and you didn't compete a lot and you're not seeded, you can end up anywhere in the draw. So it could be that you fight someone like this in the first round. But normally the, the strongest players, they, they won't meet each other um, before the quarterfinals. Yeah, we love that. A bit of seeding. I mean, that, that's quite common in a lot of sports these days where the, you want the, ultimately you want the best, the best athletes to, com- to compete at the end. And it's... It's, it's, we often talk about it like the psychology of as you say going up against the big boys it's like you can either be like oh well I'm going to lose or actually let's have a crack and see see how we go and uh, it's the nature of sport isn't it it's fail 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 and until you succeed uh, quick question a bit off topic so we've obviously touched on the UFC and the boxing and um, you know we want to try and boost the profile of judo and part of that is trying to get the crowd involved with um you know, with uh, when when the athletes are coming to perform and stuff. So, Tom, let's say you're uh, you're uh, you go to the Olympics, okay, and you can choose a piece of music that's going to be played by the announcer for you to walk out. What music would you choose? And the crowd's obviously going to be absolutely pumping. Oh, that's a hard one. Um, probably it's a German song, so I don't know if you know it, but Erfolg ist kein Glück. From Contra. I don't even know how to spell that, mate. I know it. You do, yeah? No. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. What about yourself, Jasper? If you could go back in time, what would you come out to? Oh, I, when I was still competing, I, I, I used Eminem a little bit, like an 8 Mile. Yeah. Oh, we've had uh, that before. Course, you have to yeah, pick another one. We've had that one. That's, that's uh, the classical one, of course. Um, at the moment, I'm not really in playlists anymore because I haven't been competing. Uh, so, more modern songs for this reason. Uh, I should do some research for this, but. Uh, I wouldn't know. You're telling me you don't lie in your bed thinking, oh, I'd love to walk out to this music, huh? Oh, God, we've got too much free time on our hands, Baptiste. Um, for anybody listening in, why should I go and get my kids involved in judo? Yeah, judo is um, very diverse. So it's it's, it's technic- technical sport. It's really, um, you learn all the basic motor skills you need to, to 
um, uh, to do sports in general. So it's it's like a mother sport for for any other sport uh, like athletics and gymnastics and judo. I think these three sports are quite um, quite a good basic for for any other sport you you want to pursue after. Um, and that's one. The, the values of judo. And you have some some core values. It's obviously a, a Japanese sport, so some some things like respect and discipline, and but also friendship and honor. And, and these are some 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 values that that are being thought uh, taught to to kids from a young age. So this is already valuable. Just just to jump in there, when we, we talk about respect, obviously you have to respect your opponent. Uh, do you bow before you uh, before you fight? That's and then you, you obviously bow to the referee as well. Yeah. In terms of coaching, because I remember we had uh, Raphael on and he was telling us, obviously, from, from karate and jiu-jitsu and stuff, that you're, am I right in thinking, in, in, in his disciplines, you're not allowed to coach whilst they are competing, but if they come and sit on the chair or if there's a pause, then you can give them feedback. How does that work in judo? Yeah, that's the same at the moment. So yeah. Before, you can really shout through the whole fight. Yeah. And there have been some some coaches that were quite extreme in their coaching styles, and uh, they were just screaming for four minutes uh, all through from the beginning to the to the end uh, of the fight, uh, really directing the fight a little bit more. Um, then the rules changed, so now um, also um, based on these core values as well, they they didn't want this as an image for the sport. So this this is something they they fought against a little bit, and to make it a little bit more. Um, 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 f- better for the public a little bit. There are, there are breaks. So the referee says Hajime, that means start the fight, and there's a break, Mate. And in the Mate, the players go back to their place, um, and, and then the, the referee maybe gives a score or, or a penalty or something. That's a couple seconds. Yeah. And in these seconds, then you have a coaching moment. Oh, okay. you, can, you have just a couple seconds. So you have to really be able to to get the message across in a, in a couple seconds. And that's, not, that's, not, uh, not berate them, give them the hair-dry treatment, because that's not going to work. When you said, uh, what was it, mate? Mate. Where does that word come from? Because I'm just thinking about to like some of the Spanish guys when they say mate. Where they had like drink the tea and stuff, don't they? You know, remember Mariano? They used to carry around the, the bags with them and have the tea all the time, and that, he used to say mate as well. So I don't know. Is there any? I'm not sure if there's a link, no? but I think mate is just a Japanese word for for break. Oh, that's very interesting. <laughs> we could go into that um, a little bit more. Um, Tom, just over to you. So obviously you're the one competing at the moment. When the coach is, you know, like we all know when we're absolutely buggered and we're absolutely blowing blowing out of our. Uh, out of our derriere like is it is it hard to take in that information sometimes or are you just trying to find your lungs and just find oxygen don't worry you're not going to get in trouble for this <laughs> no i think it's it's quite hard to um to get the message right and as you said if it, if you are already exhausted and you still have to focus on the coaching but it helps a lot if the coach finds the right words either to motivate you or even to do some small adjustments but yeah the the thing in judo is your opponent is also getting some coaching and you're fighting against him so it's not that easy to really take the message and to be able to 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 yeah to to adjust your your fight i mean jasper this is one of the last questions i'll ask you but with um when you're coaching i guess your job's almost done once they arrive at the tournament isn't it your sort of the conditioning and the technical stuff because you know if he does get a break you can't hit him with uh 50,000 pages of information because as we know you know when they're tired it just goes straight over their head so is that 
you know how how do you how do you manage that you know do you do you tailor your training in the build up to a to a tournament or um i think um especially if you're fighting as a player the emotions go up uh, your adrenaline is high um, um things happen in the fight that you may, maybe didn't expect and the coach that has an outside perspective uh hopefully being a little bit more calm not always but sometimes you they have the the perspective to to at least to to give you one little pointer that you have to focus on or something um and most of the time it's just um um reminding the athlete of the assignment you already talked before the fight and, and this was the strategy going into it things happen but hey stay in your assignment yeah. this is uh, normally one of the most important things uh, it's very it's very it's, sorry it's very interesting to hear that because i think ultimately um you can do you know your your goal i guess is to condition people so that when they are in you know under stress essentially is to be able to as you say execute the assignment or the game plan and put into practice because you could be the fittest in the world um, but technically, as soon if you know if you're a rabbit in the headlights, you'll get you get found out very quickly. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Um, you also can maybe imagine that um, in in a sport like you know you you have a lot of different fighting profiles. Um, and it could be that you can beat the top 10 players in the world, but there is in rank, rank number 26 or something, there's one player who's got your number. And, yeah, yeah. And you just hate fighting him and you have no clue what to do. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes it's really complex to, to have an answer to every uh, opponent uh, in, the, in the roster. Um, so that's, that's really complex. And, and the cooperation between the athlete and the coach, the, as, together you, you hope to find some answers and, and, and dig into a game plan that works. It's funny, it's funny you say that. I'm going I'm to wrap this up now, but you do hear of that when guys retire. They won't admit it when they're playing. And then you ask them, is there anybody you used to hate playing against? And everyone's like, I hated <laughs> going against this guy as, as, for exactly that reason. They might be technical things that you've always struggled to deal with. I guess that's, that's the yeah, beauty of it. Physical yeah. Well. Yeah, absolutely. Keep kept going and going yeah. and going and you had no clue how to deal with this. Gents, I would love to keep you on here for longer and longer, but we have got to get into the international sport. We'll definitely be teeing you up again. But as I said, if you if you have been listening in, play it back and listening to how the rules have been simplified for us, because it's certainly something I'm going to definitely watch when the Olympics are on and hopefully we'll see another Luxembourger there this time next year. Um, wish you both the best. Thank you very much um, for joining us. Tom, I couldn't find your music because you said it too quickly so I couldn't spell it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jasper, I've uh, already had that one on so I'm going to go rogue and play this one see if you uh, recognise it. I'll, I'll get into the fighting mode with this one. Yeah? Well. Is this alright? It's okay. I'll be your agent, mate. I'll look after you. <laughs> Thanks again, boys. Perfect. Take it easy. Cheers. Into the land. Maybe then I'll fade away. 
though turned a deeper blue I could not foresee this thing happening to you DJ, I say this every time. What an absolute banger of a tune there, Jean-Baptiste. Perfect transition. You're actually going to say something now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're going to bounce into our uh, international sport. Few bits going on. Um, thanks again to uh, Tom and Jasper. Quite insightful to hear about judo because I don't, I didn't know anything about it, you know. And I'll be honest and say, if I would flick it on on the TV, you're sort of like, ah, I don't really know what's going on here. But what do you call the throw where they land on the back? Hippon. 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 What's that? Is that another Japanese word? Is it? Yeah, it's a Japanese quite, I'm word. Gonna, I'm going to dig in and find about mate as well. See what that is. Because this one is yeah, it's, it's yeah, tough one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess the, uh, the first one we're going to start with, with is recently Kiwi Olympian and long distance runner Zane Robinson. He's been banned for eight years um, because he's either tampered, tried to tamper um, with part of the doping control process. He won a bronze in the 5,000 meters at the 2014 Commonwealth Games, and then 12th in the 10,000 meters at the Olympics two years later. In 2016 um, he is known for training in uh, in Kenya um, and there have been a few uh, let's say positive uh, dopage you know results coming out of there um, he claimed that he'd attended a medical facility for a COVID-19 uh, vaccination but was instead treated mm. for COVID that included the administration of EPO as soon as you say EPO do you know what EPO is? The Ruth Propriety as well, the cyclists, you know, Lance Armstrong, that's what they use and stuff like that. So uh, what, what's your what's your opinion on drugs in sport then, Baptiste? Tough. Do uh, you remember you had, we had like this session with... Uh, with yeah, the with Massimo. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was on. He was. We've had him on the show before, actually. He was chatting about it. Yeah, both cannot go together. Huh? If you're like a, a real like a sport, if you really like the sport, you can't, you can't like... If you want to perform, go to the gym, go running... Go train, but don't take this, uh, yeah. this kind of thing. Well, so what would you say about the, uh, is it black and white with you? You know, should you just be banned for life if you fail a drugs test? I think everybody does mistakes. You can have like one chance, but then, yeah, if you don't learn from a mistake, banned for life, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's quite interesting. Um, another interesting one from the world of athletics, obviously there's been a lot, um, you know, from the uh, LGBT plus community. Hey, Anthony, what's occurring? Um, you know, in terms of the, uh, you know, um, oh, I'll say it as it is, you know, males, uh, people have gone through puberty as a male and then transgendering through hormone treatments and, and such to then compete as women. And, and obviously uh, vice versa. To be honest, there seems to be more of a, 
more of an issue transgendering from male to female as opposed to going from female to male. Um, but, um, well, the uh, the World Athletics Federation, President Sebco, um, has basically, they've come out and said that athletes will be banned from competing as women um, if they uh, went underwent puberty as a male. Um, you know, Co's gone on to reference the science around it. Um, and it's it's one of those things you almost can't win whatever decision you're going to make because you're either, you know, obviously the whole port, the big lure of sport for people is making it as inclusive, um, you know, as possible. Um, you know, and I think you should be allowed to compete in sport as long as it's fair. But then when it's no longer fair, then, uh, you know, then, then obviously decisions need to be made, which they've then gone and done. Um, yeah. What do you reckon? This is a, this is a recent topic, sir. So this kind of uh, issues with yeah. uh, trans transgender and we I think we we need to to find out with a uh, different competition how it works maybe if uh, if it's like a, a sport more related on the, really on the on the the body like the like physical sp- development yeah, exactly sort of thing, like yeah. s- like sprint uh, uh, weights or things like that it's not the same as like a team sport and things like that so that's to be discussed. Um, obviously in the Formula One today, uh, Verstappen won, um, followed by Hamilton, then Alonso, Stroll, Perez and Norris. Um, but we'll just go through, there was a little bit of controversy at the end. Um, Anthony, did you hear about the Formula One today? Uh, not just the results. Oh, not, just the results. Not, not what exactly what happened. Oh, okay. So, um, I'll, I'll just give you a little rundown. So obviously there was an incident packed start to the Grand Prix. So there were two safety, uh, safety car periods. Um, the first on the opening lap and the second on lap six. And that was the first red flag. Um, the first safety car was caused by a crash between Ferrari's Charles Leclerc. Did I say that right, Baptiste? Charles Leclerc. There you go. There we go. I did it badly just here. And Stroll. Um, and then obviously Verstappen, who'd made a bad start and dropped behind the Mercedes cars, ran third for a while. But um, once he was front, he was in control. Um, Russell was, um, he was taken out of contention. And I believe what happened was he, there was a safety car put out. He then decided to pit and then they decided to red flag. Um, and then obviously... You, you obviously lose your track position. Then they restart the race uh, and there's been a bit of uproar about it because I don't know if you remember. Do you remember what happened at the end of the Abu Dhabi race in um, 2021 where basically they red flagged it and then restarted it but with only one lap to go. Hamilton was obviously leading but Verstappen had the... Uh, the fresher tyres, so absolutely, you know, crushed him on the last lap and then went on to win the World Championship. Obviously, last year he won the World Championship, no problem at all. So, you know, the FIA are obviously coming under a lot of flack. Um, also, in um, Formula One, uh, seven-year-old uh, Brazilian Nelson Piquet has been ordered to pay $950,000 in moral damages uh, to be um, allocated to funds for the promotion of racial equality against discrimination of the LB, LGBTQIA plus community. Wow, that's a mouthful. That keeps getting longer and longer uh, for his comments about Lewis Hamilton. Um, yeah, I mean, you, I don't get it these days when these guys who are high profile athletes, they have their social media pages. Why do you come out and say stuff which you know, you know is going to cause, um, it's going to cause trouble? Make stories, huh? Yeah, uh, the name, the name at the top of the news. Maybe I don't know. Huh? But like, yeah, you make stories, but you just got fined a million, a million dollars as well. That's a that's a serious, serious amount of money. Um, but um, yeah, like, but you hear about it all the time. Like these guys just just 
keep your mouth shut and don't, you know, what you say and what you think are two completely different things as, as we know. And social media these days, it's not like you can just delete it. You know, once it's out there, you know, uh, no, back. no, there is no coming back from it. Um, yeah, Anthony, I'm going to let you, you've got to rattle through this quickly. BG, Anthony's here for the BGL roundup. Yes. What have um, you got for us? Any, any, any upsets at the top? Uh, on the top, no, but last week we've got an, in, in, uh, an interesting game between Luxembourg and Portugal. What, what was interesting about it? <laughs> the score. Uh, the score. <laughs> uh, secondly, I was there. Yeah. Oh, here's a question for you. How close did you get to Cristiano Ronaldo? Oh, I was like two meters away. Yeah. And, and I want to, I want, I screamed like, yeah. but he didn't pay attention yeah, to yeah. it. But it was actually crazy to see him like two meters away from you, but... In the end of the day, it's just a normal human being, so you get used to it after a time. But like, as most of you know, Luxembourg played Portugal last Sunday at the start of Luxembourg, and yeah, most of you know as well that things didn't go as planned. After only twenty minutes, the team around Cristiano Ronaldo, the team around Cristiano Ronaldo was already leading three 0 And for me, which was crazy, it's who scored the third goal? It was Bernardo Silva? He scored with his head. Do you know how tall Bernardo Silva is? He's five foot eight, five feet eight. So as tall as me. Yeah. And how, how do we let him score with his head? He was completely alone. All goals were like defensive mistakes. It was actually so crazy. And was it was it a bad day at the office for Luxembourg? Oh, or? It was horrible. horrible. Yeah. Nothing from the offense. Horrible defense. But things like that happen. You just have a bad day. Now you just have to forget it and look forward for the next games. And yeah, talking about this game, Cristiano Ronaldo, who created a new celebration after his first goal, scored a brace again after his two goals against Liechtenstein and scored now a total of 11 goals against Luxembourg. Crazy. <laughs> he, he actually lost. I, I saw I saw the set when he runs out to the corner and does the, like that, and the I, whole crowd are like, I, wa- I want to scream with him, but I, I, I needed to stay neutral. <laughs> neutral. I needed to say Luxembourgish, but... Was actually crazy to hear it live in the stadium, yeah. And in the end, the game ended six 0 Disastrous game for Luxembourg's national team. Only took three shots. Only one shot uh, went on goal. It was in the second half. And the only positive highlight of the game was Anthony Maurice saving a penalty from Rafael Leao. Even if he conceded a goal from the same player some minutes later, but yeah, some positive highlights is always good. I mean, where where do you go from that? Because I've I've heard a lot of good things said about the national team about how it's moving forward, but ultimately, you know, when those groupings come out for the European Championships and for the and for the World Cup, you you're inevitably going to get you know put in a pool with one of the heavyweights. Yeah. So do you think is it? There's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of work to do, but I I think it was just a bad day. When you when you see games against big teams, sometimes we play like last weekend, but sometimes we also have good results. It just depends on how the day is. But setbacks like this happen. Like you, you, you they just have to forget that and then move you to know, the next one. Obviously, you know, Portugal are favourites to yeah. to top that group. So. If you, I mean, who else is a stronger team in, in that group that, you know, is going to yeah. fight it out for second? We actually did nil-nil against Slovakia, which is actually a good team. We have Bosnia and then Iceland and Liechtenstein. So for me, if we we are able to beat Bosnia, so it's going to, it will be a big step towards the second place. So if you, if you, if you win your group, you qualify automatically? Automatically. And the yeah. second place, I don't know. It's for the European Championship. So if you're second place, you play the playoffs. Okay, but if you're third place, you're out of uh, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Because what about the uh, what about the BGL league then? What BGL you got for league. us? Uh, yeah, BGL league. We have Defender launch. 
big game, but also big results. Only for this launch, we defeat Defenders 4 0. And it's actually the second 4 0 defeat for Defenders in a row because they played Hesperons last week. And the man of the match was Samir Aji, who scored two goals and assisted two. So he was, um, how do you say it, included in all goals. Yeah. Then we have Hesperons. They, they win the game as well 4 0 against US Mondorf. And Dominic Stolz scored all four goals. Respect to him, actually. Fola, we had a lot of bad. Topics about Fola uh, at in, like at the end of in the end of the year 2022. How is it going now? We had crazy fa- crazy scenes actually at start Emil Marish. After leading 2-0 thanks to a brace from Kevin Quinol, Fola conceded two goals against Kerjing in the last. Oh, what am I saying? <laughs> they conceded two goals against Kerjing in six minutes between the 79th and the 85th minute. So it looked like both teams will be happy with one point yeah. before the 95th minute. Where again, Fola player Quinol was the decisive man and scored a hat trick. So he scored the winner, 3 2 for Fola Esch. Big, big points. Where does, where does that leave them now? Does that get them out of the, uh, the relegation battle? Yeah, but only one point. Only one point away from the relegation playoffs. But three important points. Then we've got the other games, like Nidakon, they will keep themselves in the race for Europe after beating Racing 2 1, thanks to a late goal from Yannick Bastos. Monorish against Hostad, the crisis game. We won, no, not Hostad, we are still waiting for their first win of the year. And the goal scorer was Mbaki, who already missed a penalty in the game. But 20 minutes later, he did better from the spot. 1 0 for Monorish. Uh, Atterbrick as well are still. Wedless this year and they got crushed at home against Rosbach 5-1. Petange ends Wils little streak by winning 2-1 and finally Strassen against Jeunesse ended 2-1. Before I move to the standings, I just want to go quickly through the women. The standings, huh? Standings, That's not the classmen or the tabella. He always says class more, right? <laughs> we, don't, we don't say that here. I was at the game uh, Strassen against uh, Jeunesse Esch. I saw the, the first half. Yeah, it was a great game. Uh, I can see here the, the difference between the, the football and rugby. Because to watch the game, I came here and I had to pay 10 euros. To yeah, see, uh, it's actually crazy the prices in the Belgian yeah. League, 10 euros. When you think Which about it, we played a uh, good level. We played in, like in Bundesliga once, rugby. We didn't have to, the supporters to come to watch the game. They never had to pay huh, to watch. Uh, so that's the... Yeah. But that's the... I mean, it's... it's yeah. I guess you're right. You that's know, football. That's the difference. But, it, you know, I, I think if you, if you said you were going to charge to... To rugby, I think that would that would put people off, you know. But hey ho, go on, Anthony. So to stay equal, let's talk to uh, let's talk about the women as well. Going quickly, sorry, because there wasn't much suspense and drama. So we've got Racing would defeat Dickish for nil and keep their five point lead towards Mama, who don't want to who didn't want to concede their second defeat of the season. Indeed, they won four one against L and they keep themselves in the title race, thanks to, among other things, to a brace from Amy Thompson, who remains the only player this season who scored against every team she played. It's actually a crazy statistic. If she keeps playing like that and she scores against every team Damn. So she has let's use the ballon d'or for sure this year. <laughs> the big one, huh? The big one. <laughs> then we've got young Linz and Betonbuch who win against Pafelon and Winchester 7-1. And finally, Differdange beat Wasserbillig by double digits 10-0. <sighs> and before I give you the word, let's go over to the standings from the BGL League. Uh, at first, we still have Hesperance with 60 points behind Dudelange with 57 points. Then Niederkorn 51 on the fourth place. Petange with 48 then we've got Racing, 
Mondorf, Jeunesse, Differdange, on the 9th, Wils, 10th, Strasse, 11th, Rosport, 12th, Fola, and same as last week, the uh, moderation cashing on the relegation playoffs uh, standings, and hosted at Etzella for the direct relegation, and in my opinion, Etzella and Hosada are true. I don't, I don't, I gone. actually, not really, because Hosada only one point away from the regulation playoffs, but my friend Ben went to the game. It was a horrible game, a horrible level. A really, how you say it in Luxembourg, a Jika match was, uh, was really bad. What does that mean, Jika match? Bad game. Yeah. Shit game. Yeah. Want to say. No, 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 no much level. Yeah. Sorry for the, my vocabulary. No, I guess I guess it's hard though, as you get, as you when you get into that position where the the pressure and the stress yeah, goes yeah. up because you know you you are clawing, you're fighting for your lives, and but that's also it's tough for the top teams to go there because they know oh, dear, yeah. if uh, if they're not on it and the, the 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 teams that are perceived lower than them get a sniff of uh, of getting an upset, you know, it's uh, you just want to avoid every single mistake, so people from the bottom of the table and up top of the table no actually more the bottom of the table they want to avoid the little mistakes so they're more afraid to take risks and when you see Diffedange and Dudelange uh, Hasbro and Dudelange were still uh, won 4-0 even if they were fighting for the title for me there's a big difference of level yeah what about you who would your uh, who would your club be if you if you picked a team to follow in the BGL would it be Strassen <laughs> no, I don't. I don't really follow uh, the football. To be honest, I just uh, just came to watch the game because my friends were going there. It's good to have a chat, watch the game, a few beers, two, three huh? beers. Huh? Yeah. always uh, good. Don't know. I would say Strasse, yeah, because it's close to my home. So I would say yeah. Do you, <laughs> do, you uh, do you follow any higher profile clubs? Any big big football clubs? You know, your Man City, Manchester United, Bayern. Liverpool, Bayern. Bayern. <laughs> If I have to pick a point, I would say Arsenal. Yeah. Ah, that's a good choice. Yeah. That's a good choice. Because of like <laughs> we have like some French history there. Huh? Yeah, Arsene Wenger, huh? Yeah, and also Thierry Henry. He, he has he's got his uh, legend. He he is a legend. Vavavoom, huh? What? Do you remember that one? Vavavoom? No? Oh. That, was an, that was an English advert he used to be uh, he used to be famous for. I guess the uh, the the only other big uh, international sporting news from the weekend was that Anthony Joshua uh, he obviously made his comeback to the ring. He obviously lost consecutively twice or twice consecutively sorry uh, to Alexander Usek he came back against Jerome Francis did you see any of the any of the fight at the um, at the weekend no no, no, no I didn't, didn't watch the game only follow it on uh, the score oh, the scorecard on Insta yeah, uh, yeah. Um, he obviously went the distance with your man and, and then won on, on the scorecard you know now it's been talked up about him you know obviously trying to tee up uh, Tyson Fury um, will it happen? Won't it happen? I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of chat goes on. It's good, but it's to be honest, I'm getting quite bored of listening to all the chat about boxing and stuff because it's you know these guys. You, you hear more and more about it how guys are sort of protected and uh, you know don't get to fight people for whatever reason. You know it's almost like you're just trying to keep making money as opposed to we just want to see the two best folks go at it. That was the best thing about you know the fury. And Deontay Wilder fights, but gents, unfortunately, that is our wrap for uh, for this week of Let's Talk Sport, show number eighty five. Um, you can catch up on the show on RTL Play. It'll be on the uh, up on the uh, 
up on the web platform tomorrow. As always, you can join uh, Sam Steen from six o'clock tomorrow morning. You've also got excuse me, rewind there. You've also got Stephen Steps Low with the lunchbox at twelve o'clock. You've also got Melissa Dalton from three o'clock with the home stretch. Don't forget, we had Sarah tap in before with the Hangover Show. She's back on on Sunday morning. Um, and as always, you can check us out on uh, Instagram, social media, Facebook, whatever it is, LinkedIn even as well. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, you can get in, get involved with the show as always, 6215255000. Um, do you know how we sign off on this show? No, tell me. No, we all have to say chur. Ready? Three, two, one, chur. Sure.